you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. There have been some comparisons made between you and Patrick Mahomes. When you've seen Patrick Mahomes, is there any little bit of his game that might be in your game? Yeah, I mean, I just look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, crazy arm strength, you know, crazy, you know, just ability to throw the ball, you know, different angles, stuff like that. I think I have that, um, you know, that's where I see similarities and, uh, you know, just, you know, make plays, you know. Um, like I said, throwing, you know, sidearm, you know, throwing crazy deep passes, just being able to make plays. I mean, that's where I think you can compare us. And uh, I feel like that, you know, I'm comparable to him in that aspect. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good. Exciting. It's a Thursday, Thursday night football. Later on, we got a big weekend, college and pro. So it's always good. All right, we've got a we've got a lot going on today. We're going to have our good buddy, uh, who's having a phenomenal year, and mm-hmm. that's Mel Tucker, head coach Michigan State. He's going to join us talk about what they've got going on in East Lansing, coming off a huge win over Michigan, uh, very much uh, in the playoff mix here as, as the rankings just came out. So we get a chance to visit with our good buddy Mel Tucker. Uh, also, though, we want to hit on what's going on with Jordan Love. He's going to get a chance to to get his start first start in the NFL against Kansas City Chiefs because of the Aaron Rodgers COVID situation. Um, I, I don't really. I think everybody's kind of said everything they wanted to say on you know whether <laughs> he misled or lied or I don't whatever, care whatever whatever it is. whatever yeah. it is. All I know is if you're in the personnel department of the Green Bay Packers, a place where you once resided, Buck, I think you're you're kind of sneaky excited for this opportunity to see what you got here in Jordan Love. Yeah, I think you're sneaky excited for a couple of reasons, DJ. And in this business, we all have egos, right? We all have egos. We all want to believe that our method for doing things works. So there are a couple of different things in play. One, you want to show off the young quarterback in Jordan Love. You want to show off his skills. Why was he a first-round pick? Why were you excited to move up and get him? So you want him to go out there and really show and prove. But I think the other thing, DJ, as a team builder, when you're Brian Gutekus and you've kind of been disparaged over the offseason about your ability to build a team, you want to be able to show the football world what this team looks like without number 12, particularly because he was the one that was taking veiled shots at the way the team was built. And looking at this Packers team, and what I have to tell you, one, having spent three years there as a player, everything about the Packers goes back to the Lombardi era. Okay, when you go back to the Vince Lombardi era where they won five world championships, two Super Bowl titles, it is always about the team. It is never about the individual. It's building a team that can sustain itself year after year after year. That's the way that it was done back then. That's the way it was done in the Ron Wolf era. And that's the way all the disciples have built the team in Green Bay. But when you're Brian Gutekus and you're talking about we are building a homegrown squad. So I looked in the two deep. 26 of the players in the two deep depth chart are homegrown Packers. Meaning they were drafted or they're college free agents that were signed by the Packers. Packer only players. Packer only players. They haven't been anywhere. They've been in the system. They've done that. Gutekus has only been there four years. When you think about the players that they've acquired since he's been there, hey man, the hit rate has been really, really solid. You look at this offensive line, they lost some good players. Brian Bulaga, uh, Corey Lindsey, they disappear. Elton Jenkins, they're talking about him being one of the best 
five position players that we have seen. They're going to get David Bakhtiari back, and maybe he plays this weekend. You then have some other guys who are playing and emerging. So now you get a chance to show off that offensive line. You get to show off A.J. Dillon, who was a maligned pick in the second round of the year that you took Jordan Love. Oh, they need another offensive weapon. Well, now if A.J. Dillon is complimenting Aaron Jones and you're playing more ball control, this is a way that this team can go going forward. And then when you look at a defense that has been missing a bunch of starters, yet here they sit at 7-1. and one. If you're Brian Gutekus, if they go and get a win against the Chiefs in which everyone is expecting <laughs> them to do whatever, yeah. you kind of walk through the locker room with your chest poked out like, I might know what I'm doing because I'm doing it the way the organization has always done it. All right. Well put. Uh, well put, Buck. Um, I, I want to go through um, the time machine here and kind of go back. For those that don't remember Jordan Love coming into the draft, that 2020 draft, um, he ended up as my 23rd player, I believe. Is that right? Uh, let me double check here. He has 20, 23rd. He was my 23rd overall player. Uh, I'm gonna I want to read my scouting report on him coming out, Buck. I want to get your take on him of what you thought at that moment in time. And then we're going to actually run some sound because we had a chance to catch up with him at the senior bowl. Uh, we also, you also had a chance to catch up with him at the mm-hmm. combine. So we want to run that. So just kind of refresh everybody who this guy is, what he's all about. Um, but I'll give you my report on him coming out. Uh, Love has ideal size, arm strength, and athletic ability operated out of the gun at the Utah state. Very fluid and smooth in his setup throws from a variety of platforms and arm angles. The ball jumps out of his hand. He's at his best on the skinny post drive type throws and over the top deep balls. Decision making was very concerning this past season. Forced too many balls into crowds, didn't ever give up on a play to a fault. His supporting cast wasn't very good, but he still fell into too many bad habits. He uses that athletic ability to escape and extend plays, but there are occasions when he falls, fails to climb and reset his feet. Overall, Love is a very raw prospect who will need some time to develop. There is risk with him, but the payoff could be huge. I mean, that's everything that he is, right? And so I, I think here's the thing when it comes to scouting, and there are co- people that do it a couple of different ways. I tend to try and look at the entire body of work, right? So if a guy was good his junior year and he fell off his senior year, I try and meld those things together as opposed to just grading off that final thing. Because if he has done it before, there's a reason why it fell off. Is it a supporting cast? Which is supporting cast all disappeared. Yep. Is it a coaching change that impacted the way that he played? Certainly happened, impacted his, his performance. And so with Jordan Love, I think you want to give him the benefit of the doubt during the process. Now, in saying that, didn't like some of the stuff that you saw his last year with the turnovers and those, those things. But then we were drafting at a time where Pat Mahomes is lighting it up. Yep. And what happens in our business, I don't care what anyone says, we are impacted by the events that are happening today. So a player that was off the grid, a Pat Mahomes player who was a Sandlot player at Texas Tech is now having success at an MVP level. Well, that then impacts the way that you kind of grade because you're like, man, I didn't know if he could do it at Texas Tech. Uh, I'm going to give him a second round grade. I didn't know. He enters the league and plays at a high level. Well, maybe I graded him too hard and maybe I need to focus on what he could be as opposed to what he is. That is what impacted Jordan Love. People wanted to see what could he be. Let your imagination run wild. And that's why he was a first-round talent. That's why he was graded as such. And now we will get a chance to see, after a redshirt year, where is he in his first start? How ironic is it that his first start is going to come on the field mm-hmm. opposite of a guy who helped get him into the first round in Patrick Mahomes? Very ironic. But I think it's, I think it's great that it's happening this way, right? 
Now I'm gonna still say this, and I'm gonna be honest. If I was the general manager in Green Bay, I would kind of pull Matt LaFleur to the side and be like, hey man, in the presser, can you at least act like you feel good about Jordan Love's <laughs> ability? I mean, just even if you don't, if you're nervous to death, at least act like he's a guy that can play and play well. I know, but he I, I think he's scared of alienating Aaron, though. Like it, it, I mean, my gosh, like I would like him to say something positive about yeah. Jordan Love. Hey, he he works hard with the scout team. Like, can you, can you, to me, that, to me, that's, to me, that's though the separation between upstairs and downstairs, right? In order for everything to function downstairs, I think he almost had to distance himself from Goody and upstairs Mm. with, with what happened and say, Aaron, I'm team Aaron. I'm on your side. You're my guy. You know, that wasn't my decision, blah, blah, blah. Let's keep the peace downstairs and keep the train moving. And so now it's like, oh, now you get to play Jordan Love. And it's like, well, gosh, I don't want to really pray Aaron's going to think I like Jordan you can't have Aaron thinking that you don't want to hurt Aaron's feelings um obviously <laughs> obviously the events of this week have shown us that Aaron is very concerned about what people think and say about him that's one thing I think we can take to the bank very sensitive and it does make it hard to be a go-around so maybe Gutekus and Matt LaFleur are on the same page privately because I think it has to be a unified decision when you have a young player like this that you want to develop that you want to get ready you want to do it and I understand Matt LaFleur is at a like winning at a historic pace, part of that is due to number 12. But at the same time, man, the Packers are going to be there around for a while. And you want Jordan Love to have success. You want to set him up for success. And I think they have the pieces in place for him to have a successful debut. I don't think he has to be Superman when he comes out here. I believe they can manage it. They can run the football. They can do the things that you need to do in this scheme and structure to be successful. And I would expect to see them do that. And so to me, it's a great opportunity, not only for Jordan Love to show up, but I'm even looking at Matt LaFleur like, hey, how can you coach when you don't have all the A-level talent around you, when you don't have an A-level quarterback? What does it look like for you calling plays in that situation and circumstance? Last thing, and then we'll throw to this sound that we have. Um, take Love's name out when you go back and look at his report. We talked about the comparison with him and Mahomes. Think about Mahomes' struggles this year and mm-hmm. listen to the negatives about Love, um, decision-making concerning forces too many balls into crowds, doesn't give up on a play, um, falls into bad habits, uh, occasions where he fails to climb and reset his feet. Like That's why the comparison was there because that's who Pat was coming out of Texas Tech, and he did a great job of cleaning all that stuff up, but he's kind of fallen back. Uh, and, 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 bad habits. and see, and that's the thing, DJ. Like, you know, that's the thing. Now, we can't find all of those people who were so quick to, hey, see, I knew he was going to be a player. Hey, this was part of the Pat Mahomes experience when we were looking and this was the difficulty in doing the evaluation with Pat Mahomes is you didn't know if he could clean those things up in his game. And over the last 16 games, those things have reappeared in his game consistently. And so for Jordan love, he is what he is, but can you build it around him? And can he make enough plays where the offense can sustain itself? Not only in this, maybe one game audition or showcase, but also as you think about how this team needs to play in the future whenever number 12 is not a, no longer a part of the roster. All right, Buck, well, let's let's get in a time machine. Uh, let's go back and uh, revisit our conversation with Jordan Love. This is uh, the week of the 2020 Reese's Senior Bowl. So here's about uh, uh, six minutes and change here of our conversation with Jordan Love. Uh, Jordan, I would guess that the first question you're probably getting from most teams as you talk to them, uh, the difference uh, between whole new situation with you from last year to this year, all bunch of new players, new coaching staff, how was the transition for you? Yeah, um, 
I just describe it as it was a grind. It was work. Um, obviously, losing coaching staff, getting a new coaching staff in, um, you know, losing nine of the 11 starters on offense. So um, it's like the whole summer, whole season. I mean, it's been a grind, you know, just trying to get get it where it needs to be, get the offense where it needs to be, um, you know, at just where we can, you know, perform at a high level. Um, I feel like it started coming together towards the end of the season. Um, you know, we just some, like I said, we were just working on all season, trying to get it to that level. So, so in, in thinking about that adversity that you face, like trying to get so many new guys on the same page, it'd be very, very similar to being a high draft pick and coming into a situation that has been downtrodden. Why would your situation in Utah State help you be a better pro? I think it would help me a lot. You know, obviously just the adversity I had to face. Um, throughout that year and then, um, you know, handled it. Um, you know, we went seven to six, obviously didn't have the season we wanted to have, but, uh, you know, we, we did some good things this year, but uh, obviously it, it relates, you know, to same situation coming into a new, um, you know, team, new coaches and new players, new faces. You got to learn all that. So um, similar situations. Bucky hit on that word adversity. Uh, a lot of times you go back through and look at guys you got right or guys you got wrong. A lot of times, Kids haven't been through any adversity at the college level, even on the field, off the field. The first time that hits in, in the NFL level, they don't know how to handle it. You've had tremendous adversity, as you mentioned, on the field. Also, you had tremendous adversity off the field. Um, how were you able to get through some of those difficult moments? Yeah, I mean, I've had, like, you look at my life, I've had a lot of adversity in my life. Um, obviously, my dad passing away when I was 14. That was, you know, that was the biggest step of adversity that I had to face. And, um, you know, handle that. And the way I look at it, I mean, I can handle that. I can handle anything else. Um, nothing's going to be as hard as that was. So, um, you know, all these other things are they're, they're minor things. Um, so, um, yeah, like I said, I I can handle adversity. It's something that you know, um, I don't, I wouldn't want to happen. But you know, if that situation comes about, I can handle it. You know, I think about handling things. We've seen uh, the National <clears throat> Football League is undergoing an evolution at the quarterback position. We're seeing more guys with athleticism and these traits where they can run it. Looking at your background, you played basketball, you dabbled in gymnastics when you were little. How would those other sports help you be a better player at the next level? Yeah, I think it all ties into, I mean, your athletic ability, you know, just the more you can do, uh, the better you're going to be, you know. Um, they have different elements, you know, to um, being a leader in different areas of sports. Um, you know, some are individual sports, some are team sports, you know, you just got to learn. Um, but I think, you know, the more sports you can play, the more, you know, of an athlete you can be, the more, you know, diverse you can be, so. Hold up, man. I, gymnastics, I got to know more about gymnastics. <laughs> what, what, tell me, like, what, what, like, is this like I can do like a cartwheel, a somersault, or is this like, are we talking like back handsprings? Like, what are we talking about? No, nah, this is when I was real little. Um, my sister, she was really, my little sister, she was really good at gymnastics. So, um, you know, my mom, she was like, you know what, put you in gymnastics little bit so yeah. I tried it for a year um, definitely not something that uh, okay, so we got to oversell this I, I, yeah, yeah, I, think I, Mary, I think I got Mary Lou Retton over here no, and then, I, you know, it's just you doing a somersault as a four-year-old they trying class. to put me in the in the splits and I couldn't do it and I was like you know this is this is the breaking point for me <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to go <laughs> tried it <laughs> so it's funny because I'm sure you will hear this as we continue to go forward we talked about the evolution of the National Football League um, there have been some comparisons made between you and Patrick Mahomes when you've seen Patrick Mahomes is there any little bit of his game that might be in your game? Yeah, I mean, I just look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, crazy arm strength, you know, crazy, you know, just ability to throw the ball, you know, different angles and stuff like that. I think I have that. Um, you know, that's where I see similarities and, uh, you know, just, you know, make plays, you know. Um, you know. Like I said, throwing, you know, sidearm, you know, throwing crazy 
deep passes, just being able to make plays. I mean, that's where I think you can compare us, and uh, I feel like that, you know, I'm comparable to him in that aspect. Well, the first tape that I watched studying over the summer was watching you against Michigan State last year. Uh, you have a throw in that game that's as good as anybody's had in its entire draft. That's one of the best throws that I've ever seen against Michigan State, the one down the field. Um, can, can you recall, A, what the play call was, what you saw, and, and how you executed on that one? Which, which play are you talking about? That's uh, a deep one. I want to say you were rolling, rolling to, that. To, the to the left. Okay, rolling yeah, to the left yeah. and throwing to the left. That was. So, yeah, I mean, um, the play, it was 69 posts. So, I mean, I had my post wheel. Uh, from the outside shooters, I had a stick route from uh, number three. Uh, so I got off that, you know, um, DN, you know, beat the tackle inside. So I had to get out the pocket, started rolling, saw my wheel downfield, you know, kind of just threw a sidearm. Um, uh, ended up not, not being able to complete the catch. Um, yeah, so. It was ridiculous. So now there's, I want to ask you about one more because I'm watching the LSU game this year. I want to say it's right before, it's in the second quarter, towards the end of the second quarter, you hit a corner out going over to the left that mm -hmm. was dropped in that game as well. Uh, do you remember what that what the call was there and, and, and what you saw? Uh, unfortunately, all these highlights don't end with the guy catching the football, Jordan, but they were amazing throws. I can't even think. You said a corner route? I believe it was a corner route. It was about two or three minutes before halftime. I think this one you were going to the right and hit a, and hit a corner route down mm, the field. I know, I know during the LSU game I had scrambled to the right uh, on one. Um, you know, Might even have been a post coming yeah, across. It was, it was, I know one, it was a, it was a slant, and I, when I scrambled, he, uh, my receiver, CLC, he kind of uh, turned it into like a deep kind of kind of like corner. Corn, right. Yeah, threw it over top, but he actually he caught it. Did he catch he, that he one? He was one handed. Okay, uh, okay. He, got, he hurt his shoulder on that play, but yeah, no, that was uh, okay. that's what we're talking about now. That was a. That was a good one. Now, I think it might even have been a post that had been dropped in that game at some point. Over the middle. Yeah. 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 So all the things that you guys are describing, just in listening to the conversation, it speaks to a gunslinger's mentality. And mm -hmm. gunslingers are ones who are fearless. They're courageous. They continue to throw in the tight windows regardless of turnovers and the like. How do you maintain that aggressive mentality even if you've had some mistakes early in the game? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, being a gunslinger, you know, um, especially going off this year, I you know a lot of mistakes. Um, but, you know, you just got to be able to, you know, stay confident and, you know, that I can make the throws. Um, obviously, just situational, get smarter um, on decisions I need to make, you know, not force the ball when I don't need to, but you know, still have just that confidence to be able to make those throws. All right, Buck. Well, you know, it's interesting you go back and, and listen to that conversation. You, you, uh, you're reminded of the tremendous adversity that Jordan Love had in his personal life. I mean, no, no type of adversity in terms of not starting games or sitting is going to ever compare to what he's already been through in, in his own personal life. No, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that you, you, you look at and you, you know that he's been shaped by that adversity and it's had some impact on him. And you hope that coming through those tough times, he has a level of resiliency and grit that shows on the field. And I think I think it does. And I think great opportunities come for those who've had to grind and, and work their way through it. And so I would expect him to be able to use those things, those experiences to be the best that he can be when he gets his opportunity. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too, just going back and revisiting that throw against Michigan State, which was uh, one of the best throws that we saw that year uh, ahead of the draft, which also a reminder, we're going to have uh, Mel Tucker, head coach of Michigan State, coming up in just a little bit. Um, I want to get to another piece of sound that we had with Jordan Love. You got a chance to visit with him at the Combine that year. Um, so we're going to roll that sound. We're going to do that right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. So there's been a lot of comparisons, and people have thrown out the Pat Mahomes comparison because of how Pat Mahomes looked at a college player and how he's grown and matured as an NFL player. When you look at yourself and you look at Pat Mahomes, do you see any similarities at all? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, he's a great player. Um, I love watching him, and uh, I love just trying to take you know little bits pieces of you know his game, just you know how he plays. You know, he's a playmaker, gets the job done. So uh, you know, I try and just do that to myself, my own game. Yeah. So, so in, th- in, in thinking about that, because there's been some conversation. Terrific year two years ago. Last year was was not the same. You, you had a number of turnovers. Explain the differences, and maybe explain why the fall off your final season. Yeah, I mean, obviously the turnovers went up. Um, you know. Um, I got to say in all the meetings, you know, I felt like I was trying to do a little bit too much out there, um, you know, trying to force some throws and some tighter windows that, you know, could have hit the check down, could have, you know, took off a run. Um, so I just tried to do a little bit too much and force the ball. So so that's that's really interesting because, like, the self-awareness to be able to kind of realize, like, maybe I was doing too much. Um, when you look at where you want to improve and how you would like to play as a pro, how do you take steps to kind of correct some of that, not not put too much on your own shoulders? Yeah, I mean, it starts with just learning what you need to improve on. Um, you know, that's something that I've been doing this whole process, just trying to, you know, see in myself what I need to get better at. So, um, uh, but I think just consistency, that's the main thing today. I mean, I missed a couple of throws out there today, but um, just trying to get better at that. Look, man, it, it, it's all a part of the deal. Like, we understand how, how the combine is. Like, you're throwing the different receivers and the like. And then even going back to your time at Utah State, like you had to adjust. So, and thinking about that football adversity that you had to endure, how has it made it made you better? How will it make you a better pro? Yeah, I mean, that adversity in our face, you know, it's just, I think it, of it as just learning mistakes, um, you know, learning things that, you know, I just got to, you know, evaluate it and learn from it and know I can't make those same mistakes. All right, Buck, it's interesting. You, uh, you brought up the Mahomes comparison, um, and here he is getting ready to make his first start against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it's so crazy, DJ. Like in, in the scouting business, we always do the compare and contrast thing where we try and figure out which players remind me of other players from the past who've had success. And the comparison with Jordan Love and Pat Mahomes came up over and over and over again. Part of that was due to Pat Mahomes' success coming from Texas Tech, where you really didn't know how it was going to pop. But then when you see Pat Mahomes have that success, you look at Jordan Love's game, some of the similar traits that Jordan Love exhibited, that Pat Mahomes exhibited in college. And you begin to imagine if it goes right, this is what Jordan Love could be. And so it's more so having that growth mindset, having an optimistic view on what a prospect could be that led us to that comparison. But now we get a chance to see how real and valid are those comparisons when we see a guy make his first start against the guy that we kind of compared him to down the line. Yeah, so I think we're going to see a couple wild plays from him. That's how he plays. He needs to string together the boring, consistent plays. That's That was his challenge coming out of college, and that'll be interesting to see in this game particularly uh, how he does in that regard. All right, we mentioned it earlier. Uh, this is one of our favorite people to have on the show. He is an absolute stud. He's got Michigan State in the college football playoff right now. Um, we'll see if they can finish up. they got a tough schedule here coming down the stretch, coming off a big win against Michigan. Uh, We had a chance to catch up with Mel Tucker. We're going to give you that interview right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, Buck, excited he's here with us. Coach Mel Tucker, a good friend of the, of the show, a good longtime friend here. Coach, how are you doing, man? How uh, how's the team look so far? I know what the numbers are. I know where you're ranked. I know all that stuff. But how are you feeling? I'm doing well, man. Thanks thanks for having me on. Uh, the team is, has been very focused this week. Um, you know, we really uh, just focus on, you know, what's important right now. You know, be where your feet are. Um, you know, working to get better, you know, each and every day. And I've been pleased with our with our preparation uh, thus far this week. You know, Coach, I, I understand it. Like uh, when you play a robbery game, it's a big game. There are a lot of emotions that are tied into that. And I am just curious, how are you able to get the team refocused after such an emotional game that you have like that on a Saturday? Yeah, well, we have a 24-hour rule, you know, win, lose, or draw. And then when it's time to turn the page, you know, we turn the page and we know that uh, what's most important is what we do next. You know, you're only as good as your next game. And so, um, you know, we start to prepare prepare for our opponent. Um, and when we intro uh, Purdue, uh, I made, made sure that our, our entire organization uh, knows that this is a, a very, very strong football team. It's won some big games so far this year, and they have a long history Going all the way back to the fifties of beating ranked teams when they're when they're unranked uh, and we're on the road. And so um this um this notion of uh, of a trap game, you know, we talked about that. Um and you eliminate that when you focus on what needs to be done. Um you prepare, you take, you know, everything you do, you know, up a notch and you know what you're getting yourself into. Coach, one of the things, I know we talked about it before, um, but you went out and got some guys and brought them in new uh, through the transfer portal. I, I'm just curious, was there a common thread that you were able to find in the guys you brought in? It's obviously the mix has worked, including obviously star running back. But was there something all those guys had in common that you were looking for when you brought them in? Yes, uh, we wanted guys that uh, fit our culture. And we have a culture of accountability, attention to detail, sense of urgency, you know, unselfishness and teamwork. And so every player um, that we evaluated, um, you know, beyond their their athletic ability, you know, we wanted to know, like, who are these guys as people and you know, what are their goals and how do they plan to reach those goals? And. Are their values aligned with our values as a program? And so um, those are the players that we that we went after. Those are the players that we were able to sign and get here. And so um, that's why we were able to get the buy-in from uh, the vast majority of, of our players is because what they wanted aligned with what we what, what we want. And once they got here, um, they realized that it wasn't just a recruiting spill. This is actually how we live every day, which is our culture. You know, Coach, um, in listening to you in the run-up to some of the games, particularly the last game, uh, I heard you talk about championship rounds and toughness and taking people into the deep end. Are you a believer that you can teach toughness or the guys that you bring into the program already have to have that toughness built inside them? No, I believe that you can enhance toughness 
and 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 uh, mental toughness and physical toughness. You know, obviously, uh, you know the players that we that we have in our program, you know, there has to be intrinsic motivation, and there has to be um, in, in, internal uh, mental uh, and physical toughness. Uh, those are traits that that you can recruit, um, and, and we look for that in players. But a coach's job is to teach, motivate, and develop players, and that's in all areas. And so. Uh, the way we train in, in, in our in our uh, off-season conditioning program, uh, you know, all through the summer, in the fall camp, you know, in the weight room, our running, our lifting, the way we practice, the way we meet, you know, the, the language we use, the way we talk, all of that is about attention to detail, sense of urgency, you know, mental and physical toughness, resiliency with a relentless attitude, which is high velocity and it's nonstop. And that's the way we need to play. Coach, I'm curious with the NFL background. Um, and then you look at college. It used to be when you started out coaching the NFL, as the season went along, you back back off, back off. Let's keep guys fresh, get them to Sunday. Now I think in the NFL, it's basically once the season starts, you backed off and you're just trying to get guys to Sunday. How is it? How are you approaching that with your team as you kind of go into the later portion of the season? It's important for all of our players to be fresh and ready on game day. And so, you know, we believe in the science. Uh, we have a sports scientist here. You know, we use the GPS units. We monitor the player loads. Uh, we factor into uh, factor in nutrition, rest and recovery. You know, we work uh, hand in hand with our sports science folks, our trainers, uh, the our strength and conditioning coaches. Um, uh, we work together to make sure that we're getting the players uh, what they need in terms of the preparation mentally and physically, but we have to make sure that they're fresh and ready to go for the games because at the end of the day, we all know uh, on game day, you have to be at your best. You know, Coach, in, in being at your best, you play in a conference that is known for a long time for physicality, running the football, great defenses. When you're building your team, are you building your team with your eye focused solely on the Big Ten, or do you also build it with an eye on Eventually, we want to be a team that participates in the playoff, and we need to make sure that we are built to deal with the other teams that we potentially could face in the tournament. Yeah, we're building our, our football team to win a national championship. You know, that's, that's the goal. And uh, we know what those teams are going to look like in the playoffs. We don't know ex who they're going to be, but based upon experience, we know what those teams are going to look like. They're going to be big, fast, strong. They're going to have three to five different difference makers on each side of the ball, and they're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage, you know, on both sides of the ball. And so, as we uh, as we develop our team here, and as we recruit, you know, that's that's the goal. We have to have that type of team. That's what we work towards each and every day. Coach, I know uh, Coach Saban celebrated a birthday the other day, and uh, you talked about knowing what it looks like. Obviously, your time on those staffs with him, you've seen it. Um, what was the lesson you took from him, maybe, maybe from a leadership standpoint? I'm sure you've learned plenty of football along the way, but just from a leadership standpoint, what did you learn from Coach Saban? Yeah, Coach Saban is never going to ask you to do anything uh, as, as, a, as a coach that, that he's not willing to do himself, that he's not doing himself. Uh, he is a very hard guy to keep up with. You know, because he works at a at a feverish pace, um, whether it's recruiting, or it's X's and O's, uh, whether it's you know player development, 
Um, you know, he's always seems to be, you know, two, three steps ahead. Um, and so he, 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 and he never wastes, I mean, he never wastes a minute in a day. And, uh, so that's, that's one of the things that I learned from, from, from Coach Saban, you know, just the way, just the way he, he, he organizes his day, the way he attacks everything that he does and the way that he leads by example. You know, coach, it's funny because people always ask you about Coach Saban, but the guy that you played for, Barry Alvarez, I believe is one of the underrated great coaches in college football. So in posing that same question, your time at Wisconsin playing on the Coach Alvarez, what did you learn? What lessons have you been able to apply with your own team? Yeah, uh, Coach Alvarez is a, is, a, is a great coach, a great mentor. I was, on, I was in his first recruiting class at Wisconsin. We were one in 10 my freshman year. And uh, Coach Alvarez, he always talked about not flinching, you know, don't flinch. And I saw him, you know, day in and day out work like tirelessly to build that program. And even through the lean years, you know, one in 10, five and six, five and six, until the Rose Bowl year in year four, he never let up. There was never a doubt in his mind. There was a, there was never any doubt in our minds that we, that we would get there. Uh, we would work through adversity, um, and we would never flinch. Um, and that's something that, you know, when I when I when I think about Coach Alvarez, I think about a guy that's going to stand in the face of adversity. You know, he's going to believe in what he's doing, um, and he and he's there's never going to be a doubt, and he's never going to flinch. Coach, I want to know a little bit about your running back. Uh, Kenneth Walker has had an unbelievable year. I think everybody would say he's probably the front runner for the Heisman Trophy right now. Um, what do we not know about him? We see the greatness. We see how well he's playing. But what do we not know about him? One of the, one of the greatest human beings that you ever come across. I mean, just a, a stellar human being. He's very, very humble, extremely hardworking. Is unselfish, and he, he, you can't hardly get him to take credit for, for what's going on. He always wants to give the credit to his offensive line, his tight ends, his receivers, block for him, the coaching staff, the program, the culture. You know, every it's it's, it's not about him, um, and that's and that's uh, that that's that's refreshing and it's inspiring to see a young man with so much talent um, just willing to. You know, put the work in each and every day, um, and to see the success that he's having, but to see him being grounded um, and unselfish um, and humble, you know, all the way through, he's he's the same guy every single day. I think that's extraordinary. You know, coach, in listening to Kenneth talk, he talked about how the guys welcomed him in. And how is the easy transition because your team just welcomed him in? You've talked about the culture, but how does it make you feel when you hear your players talk about the team embracing someone new and fitting into the culture? Is that the ultimate goal that the culture welcomes those that are like them? It it, it does, um, and, and that's that's a to me that's a championship culture, and it's something that um, is not automatic. Uh, it's a, it's always a work in progress, you know, every day. But um, when you have an environment where there's connection um, and people can have mutual respect and everyone knows that it's, 
that um, you know we're all working towards a common goal and everyone's buying into something that's bigger than themselves, then of course, when you have like-minded individuals um, where your values are aligned, you know, of, of course you're going to embrace uh, those people. You know, you're going to embrace that person. You're going to connect, and, and you're going to find a way to, to 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 help each other out. And that's the type of team that we have. That's the type of locker room that we have. So whether you're a freshman, or uh, you're a grad transfer, or or an undergrad transfer, when you when you come here, you pass our evaluation, and you just you've decided to sign up with us. There's not going to be sharp elbows uh, in, in the locker room. Uh, we have a family atmosphere here, um, and we're all about uh, a common goal, and that's being the very, very best that we can be. Coach, you've been super generous with your time. Just a couple more, and we'll, we'll set you free here. I, I want to tap in, though, your defensive mindset, and, and you have a reputation, obviously, for what you've done on that side of the ball. In the league right now, in the NFL – we're seeing it all over the place where everybody's playing a too high shell now. Everybody is so obsessed with limiting explosives. Um, and we're seeing teams that don't, they just flat out don't care about yards anymore. You want to rush the ball for four or five yards, they don't, they don't care. Um, just trying to put a lid on everything. Does that, I'm just curious from your standpoint, because you I feel like you lose a little bit of your stinger when you're not ever really attacking. You're kind of just sitting back on your heels. But what have you seen in kind of the evolution? with defense, at least at the NFL level, where you're seeing an obsession with just taking away explosives? Yeah, well, you know, obviously you want to make them, make them go the long, hard way. Um, and you don't uh, – and explosives, uh, you know, really, um, you know, demoralize, demoralize your defense, um, and, 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 that's, and that's how you lose games. But uh, for me, um, it all starts up front. You know, mm -hmm. you have to make people one-dimensional and – you have to stop the run. Um, and that's first and foremost. You got to be able to set the edge and build a wall up front. And if you can eliminate the run game, make make offenses one-dimensional, then I believe you have a better, a better chance of holding them to, to a low to low numbers. Um, depending on the teams that you play, you know, sometimes it's not about yards, you know, it's about points. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 uh, and it, and it's always about points. Um, but I do believe in, in holding people to low numbers in the run game and in the pass game. You got to be able to get off the field on third downs, mm -hmm. not to you know expose yourself to long drives and things like that. Um, but you know, as much as the game has evolved, you know, on the uh, uh, overall and on the defense side of the ball, you know, I still believe um, that you know great defense um, is is the goal. And to play great defense, you hold people to low numbers in the run game, in the pass game, um, and, and, and that's critically important. And, you know, we're a work in progress. I feel like that we're, that we're getting better. Um, but, you know, those, uh, those, those high numbers, um, you know, to me are not, are not very appealing to me. It's not something I like to see. <laughs> I wondered how an old school defensive coach would would deal with that because there's some guys up in the, the, the NFL level like oh I don't care about yards or whatever but I believe and they only got three points we held them to three points yeah they just ate eight minutes of the game yeah like, I believe they're all out of rhythm on offense it's just interesting there, man I, there's something to that so coach I want to lean on your old defensive back uh, mentality and thinking about that because you talked about it starts in the trenches but when we think about defensive backs and coverage what is the ideal coverage or things that you would like to do if you had the perfect players on the perimeter well uh, well what you like to be able to do is you like to be able to mix your coverages 
Um, you like to be able to, you know, play single high and have, you know, uh, a base man, a base zone, and then your your pressures out of it, your open side pressures, your uh, close side pressures, and you press up the middle out of single high. And then you like to be able to do the same thing out of split safety, you know. And if you can mix two or three split safety coverages in, which is very hard to do, um, and uh, and mix your single high coverages, um, then you know, and and they all relatively look the same. Uh, then you're really cooking with gas. Uh, but it's it's really really difficult uh, to play single high, and also be efficient in playing split safety coverage. Um, and it's really hard to play man and also play zone. <laughs> yeah. To be a great defense, in my opinion, you have to be able to do do all of those things. And that's where uh, that's where Scotty uh, does and the defense staff, they do an amazing job of uh, making sure that the players uh, understand our concepts. Um, we're doing what our players can do and not overloading them, but we have enough uh, single high split safety pressure base uh to be comprehensive enough to 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 handle any type of offense uh that we face uh that's the that's that's the challenge you know have enough uh not have too much so your players can play fast well coach you guys are coaching your butts off you're playing your butts off you're having a great year um i know one thing the two guys you're talking to today are the two least surprised guys because we've got to know you over the years and know what you're about so uh keep up the great work we appreciate you carving out some time for us today and thank you so much. You guys be safe. Go green. Oh, he's the best, Buck. Uh, it doesn't get better than Mel Tucker. I know I'm sure people in Baton Rouge and Los Angeles were very interested in that interview um, here in, uh, <laughs> in Coach Tucker. I, I would imagine he will have options at the end of the year. Nothing wrong with Michigan State. He's already, he's already built that thing quick. Um, nothing wrong mm-hmm. with staying there and continuing on, but I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll have a lot of attention and a lot of offers if he, if he would uh, choose to do so put it that way yeah i mean he certainly is gonna have um his fair share but man i just think about the situation that he has in michigan state and how perfect it is for him obviously having grown up in the midwest having played in big 10 country having always having already put together a team that appears to be ready to compete for a big 10 title maybe even a national title man hard for us to go somewhere else and start that process all over again but when you win like he has been winning you become a very, very popular man uh, when it comes time to fill those head coaching jobs. Look at some of the college gigs he's had, right? Right out of college, you mentioned during that interview, you know, having played for Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin. He was a GA at Michigan State. Um, he also spent time at LSU as a DB coach. I believe they won the national championship, I think, during that year um, yes. or around that time. Yep. And then uh, you had Ohio State, or that was the Trestle years, and he was big-time, big-time recruiter. Um, coaching DBs and then was a co-DC there in 2004. So I think, you know, another national championship in that in that area. Um, you had uh, – then he goes to the NFL. He's with the Browns. He's where – I, where I was with coach, he was with the Jags. He was a DC there. Um, he was the interim head coach there with the Jags. Then he was the Bears DC. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to Alabama, wins big there uh, with Coach Saban. Then to Georgia uh, with Kirby. And then he gets the head coaching job at Colorado and then on to Michigan State. So – it's been a uh, it's been an interesting uh, ride for him. I think he's I I think he's outstanding. I think you can tell by talking to me. He's just such a great dude, and you can see how he's a dynamic recruiter too. He's just authentic. It's who he is. It is who he is. And DJ, like here here's the lesson that I've learned from watching Mel Taker's 
Mel Tucker's career is when he went from being in the National Football League to going back to college because he wanted to be in college. And he was able to, one, work back with Nick Saban. Then he goes with Kirby Smart to Georgia. So he has seen what the machine looks like. And he has been able to take the, I guess, the blueprint from building machine at Alabama and Georgia. Because remember, Kirby Smart built that thing in a hurry at Georgia. He's been able to take that and put it together with his own way. And the influences that he's had with great coaches, not only Saban, but you talked about Trussell, Alvarez, even Mark D'Antonio. Um, he just he just has it. And what I do is when I when I look at him, I see a guy who is very confident in his plan and what he's about. And I think that translates wherever. But because he got to go in at Michigan State, I think maybe you stay there, parlay it to a little more money, get it going. You keep it going. Yeah, no, I, I look. I I can't argue against that. He's got a, he's got a great setup there right now. They've kind of it's hard to build the machine. He's kind of quickly built the machine. Then you can, just, <laughs> you know, you can keep it rolling. You got to go. You got to go to LSU. You got to go to USC. You got to you got to start from scratch and kind of rebuild it. But the good you know the selling point with those two schools is you know we can keep you in the national championship hunt every year and uh, and you're kind of one of the big dogs there when it comes to walking in the home of any recruit in the country. So he'll, he'll have a good decision to make. And uh, I don't know if there is a wrong decision any way you look at it. Uh, anything else you want to add here, Buck, before we get out of here? No, man, just a great, just a great podcast. Be able to uh, talk about Jordan Love, revisit that ahead of his big game. And then to talk to Mel Tucker. I mean, man, that's almost like Christmas time. We, we got to, we might have peaked too soon before. the no, he's, he's, he's the best. Uh, I do want to remind everybody tonight, Thursday night football, <laughs> Uh, go to twitch.tv slash move the sticks. It is so much fun. We had a blast. I think that video we posted last week after that interception by Rasul Douglas got a little mini viral there. I think it like a couple hundred thousand views of people uh, enjoying our reaction to the game. But it's very interactive. You guys, we have a chat so you can you know pop questions on there. We'll ask you questions. So it's kind of like the man. If you if you've seen the Manning cast, it's like the Manning cast, but it's it's interactive. You guys yeah, uh, very, can very interact and we can communicate with you. And it, it's the a good core group of people that come each and every week. So come join the party. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun, man. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully I can have better reactions. I'll remember that. A minute the camera and a half, is on. Buck. It was would, a minute will, and a half will, of shock. I will try. I it will try shock. to have better reactions. I'll make sure that I'm dialed in, locked and loaded. I'm able to give you <laughs> that kind of stuff. I'll make sure I'm I'm fully caffeinated. Um, that's why it went, and all that, that other I, stuff. I, I'm convinced yes. that's why it, it was so popular because people were cracking up. Everybody thought Bucky had money on the game. He did not have money on the game. I he mean, was just so dumbfounded by what had happened and amazed. so shocked, shocked that he just he couldn't. He couldn't. You were like, uh, what? What is it called? Catatonic state? Or yes. Whatever, like where you catatonic state? You're out. Yeah, that yeah. was that was a lot. That was a lot uh, to think about. But it was a lot anyways, of fun, man. But, I look forward but, to it tonight. It should be fun. Yeah. Maybe we get another one of those moments here. We'll see what happens. Um, all right. That's going to do it for us today. Appreciate you guys hanging with us. Thanks to again to Mel Tucker for joining us. Uh, we'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, 
you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.